0: This episode is from one of Shakti Durga's series of 2020 Facebook broadcasts, Sacred Activism for Earth Lovers. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. In this Sacred Activision session, what we're doing is looking at how it is that we may be able to help in the overall improvement of the relationship between humanity and nature. Because let's face it, it's taken a beating over the last few hundred years, hasn't it? And Today, our topic is going to be spiritual science and materialism and how this may be feeding in to the subtle and almost unconscious level of belief system that possibly we're holding without even knowing. So I'd like to start with referencing this book uh, by Steve Taylor called Spiritual Science and he's an academic in England who teaches at Leeds Beckett University and he is the author of several books on psychology and spirituality. So he's been quite popular in the spiritual circles and I think his book's good. So I want to just draw your attention to some of the things he has to say about spirituality and materialism because I think it's relevant to our agenda Uh, which is to see how we can improve the relationship between humanity and nature and have more clean water, clean air, and clean soil. Come at at it from all different angles. But his basic premise is that materialism as a belief system has become so pervasive that we don't even see that we're swimming in it, that we take it for granted so much that we barely even realise that it exists. And he says that this is probably very similar to the way medieval Europeans would have been living in a Christian context, and they just would have taken it for granted, and there would have been no conception of there being anything other than that. This is just the way it is. This is the way God is. This is the way I am. This is the relationship I have with with the world, with the infinite, the cosmology, the belief system, just all predicated upon medieval Christianity. And he says that, in fact, materialism has become a bit of a religion in the same way that that was. And so he talks about how he grew up in a place that was pretty much about industry and people making things and assembly lines and so on, mill workers. And he said that his background caused him to adopt a materialist worldview rather than a religious or spiritual one without even thinking about it, and it was all predicated upon the idea of everything is created by these tiny particles that create all of life, all of matter, that the universe functions according to rigid physical laws like a giant machine, and he learned at school that the characteristics of an individual human are passed on from the parents in the form of tiny units called genes which determine not only just our appearance and our health, but also our behaviour. So this was what he was learning when he was growing up. And he said that when we did weekly religious education lessons at school, we heard about concepts like heaven and hell and salvation and eternity. He said those beliefs seemed bizarre and naive, as if they belonged to a different era in human history, because such was the entrenchment of the materialistic worldview. And of course fields like neuroscience and psychobiology uh, and evolutionary psychology and evolutionary science have all added to this sense that everything is matter and that if we just search long enough we'll find the answer to everything. And so that is the background of where we are now. He defines materialism as a form of monism. So we know about dualism, which means there's spirit and matter, and we know about in spiritual circles we talk about oneness, that everything is divine. Well, materialism is the exact opposite to that. It's oneness too, but everything's physical, and that this is a belief system, um, that there's one fundamental primary thing, and that is matter. There's no higher levels of reality, no different dimensions, no heaven or hell or gods or spirits. Humans don't have souls or spirits and even our minds are material in the sense that they're just a product of our brains. Even the various forms of energy like mechanical energy, thermal energy and kinetic energy are seen as material in the sense that they're properties of material objects in the same way that colour is a property of objects. And so it's seen that only the physical part of life is real. And you may think, why Shakti Durga talking about this? Well, it's not because it's my belief system. It's because I'm interested in the belief system of people who regard the world as a commodity that can be endlessly utilised without a sense of balance, harmony and relationship with the natural world. And so where did this come from? And that's what we're exploring right now. And to understand the way people are, we need to understand the philosophy that drives them. And I've never really thought about materialism as deeply as Steve has. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. He says that there's basically 10 principles or tenets that everyone who takes up the religion of materialism has to believe in. And I thought you might enjoy these 10 and the first is this, life came into being by accident through the interaction of certain chemicals. Once it come into existence, it evolved from simple to more complex forms through randomly occurring genetic mutation acted on by natural selection. And the driving force of evolution is competition or survival of the fittest. So that's the first of the philosophical underpinnings of the materialist view. The second is, Humans are purely physical creatures like machines. There's nothing more to us than physical stuff, atoms, molecules, cells, bodies and brains. So there isn't a soul, spirit or life force. These are superstitions to be dispelled by proper science. The third is that all living beings consist of selfish genes and the goal of those genes is merely to replicate themselves for the propagation of our own genetic material and that that desire for genetic replication is the primary motivation of human behavior. The fourth one is that all mental phenomena can be explained in terms of neurological activity. So consciousness is not seen to be registered by the brain, it's seen to be uh, generated by the brain which of course is a long way from my personal philosophy. And that billions of neurons in our brains work together in some yet undiscovered way to produce our subjective feeling of being someone who can think and feel. But that we're nothing more than physical stuff, change the chemical balance and we'll feel different. And that when we die, the plug's pulled out somehow, like a television screen disappears when you pull out the wall plug. Uh, And that's what happens to us too, just nothing. So point number six in the materialist philosophy, that human behaviour can be explained in genetic terms and that our present-day human traits and characteristics exist because they've survived from our ancestors. And then number seven, um, as living beings, we are isolated individuals. I think this is a very important part of materialism to understand if we're going to help to evolve the dominant belief system that seems to be within the mindset of many people, we have to understand it, um, that we're isolated individuals moving through space separately to each other. I've got my body and brain, you've got yours. We can touch each other physically or communicate with language, but our sense of identity produced by our brains is essentially enclosed within the physical stuff of our bodies. And is it any wonder that there's so many depressed and anxious people out there if this is the belief system? We're all separate from each other. And then number eight flowing from that, I suppose, the world exists out there, separate from me in here. It's it's independent of me and you, and it would exist in the same form even if we weren't aware of it. So there's no sense of being interconnected in the materialist view. Number nine, our normal state of awareness is fairly objective and reliable. That's a bit of an old-fashioned view now because quantum physics has debunked that view because we now know from quantum physics that, that in fact the observer changes the observation just by observing it. However, we're talking about the materialist worldview and that view is that our normal state of awareness is objective, the world's out there and we're isolated. And then finally from that comes the conclusion that anything that is paranormal, spiritual, to do with the soul, to do with religions, cannot be genuine. It can't be real because it contravenes all of this that we've just been talking about, which has been accepted as a reality. And we can't be linked to each other. We can't be able to telepath each other. We can't be able to energetically know what's going on for another living being, be it another human or an animal or even a plant, uh, because these rational views um, are seen to stop us falling back into this old-fashioned ignorance and superstition. And so, wow, is there a slew of stuff there for us to dive into to um, to help clear and make some space uh, in the astral field for a gentle awakening from this kind of belief system, which is very narrow and very much you'd call that someone who's really asleep, wouldn't you, to the greater realities. Anyway, this book, Steve Taylor, that I'm reading from, spiritual science. He then goes on to talk about how this philosophy came about. And he said there wasn't one big bang moment for it. There wasn't one main teacher of this. It was just this piece of science and that piece of science and that piece of science and this philosophy. And then there was the First World War, which was so terrible that people thought there couldn't be a God because God wouldn't let this happen. And uh, Friedrich Nietzsche uh, proclaimed God to be dead Um, in the early part of the 1900s. And I think a lot of people believed that. And so if God's dead, then what what are we to believe in? And so materialism kind of took hold over a period of a couple of hundred years, really. And so we've got to think, well, what's the payoff? What's the payoff for people to believe in materialism? There has to be something. And Steve postulates that it's because it allows us to feel in control. It lets us have a sense of certainty, a feeling that there's some orientation that we can kind of connect with. And he says that materialism in this way becomes a metaphysical system because the definition of a metaphysical system is a a belief system through which we can understand the world we live in and answer the big questions of life, the universe and everything. And so whilst it might seem strange to regard materialism as a metaphysical system, you can see that actually it is because they're saying when you're dead, you're dead. Um, The reason for life, the reason for everything is this system that they're describing. And so uh, there is a similarity really between this kind of scientific materialism and a religion because it's a belief system and people are living inside that belief system and don't necessarily realize that they are. So he goes on to say some other very interesting things about how because of this sleep state of feeling cut off from other people and from nature, one of the characteristics of this sleep state is a desensitization to the world around us, that we just stay in our mind, because if you go into your heart or into your own spirit and soul you've got to start to question this materialist view and so becoming desensitized to the subtle realities of life is what happens and so that there's um little attention paid to the everyday experience of what's going on around us people don't stop to smell the roses they don't you know they don't marvel over a sunrise or you know it's just yeah yeah what's the next thing I've got to do and what's the next exciting materialist thing that I can enjoy and of course this leads also from that sleep state that we can't sense the aliveness and sacredness of the natural world and don't feel any respect for it or any responsibility for it um and that the earth in this materialist view is just an insentient ball of rock covered with some vegetation, and we think of it as nothing more than a store of resources to provide energy and goods. So this is an echo psychopathology according to according to Steve. And then of course, you know, we have the alternative metaphysical view, which most spiritual people have a sense that the divine is in the divine's creation. And even in Christianity, which has and the monotheistic um, religions, the Abrahamic religions, uh, whilst it's said that spirit and matter are separate, some some can see the divine in its creation, nonetheless. But with the exception of those faiths, pretty much every other faith in the world, including all the indigenous faiths, and certainly Hinduism is a natural and nature-based religion, actually, and Buddhism sprang from that. And there's a great relationship between humanity and nature in all of these other philosophical systems. And kinship, a sense of kinship with the earth and with the animals and vegetation of the earth, it's seen as our relatives Uh, we've been uh, speaking recently with a number of Australian Aboriginal people and understanding a little more about their culture. And they have totems. And the totem might be a a platypus or a kangaroo or a particular tree or a particular rock. And they don't see that as separate to themselves. They see that totem as part of their own body. It's part of self. They meditate on it. They understand it deeply, and they have a different relationship to it because their philosophical standpoint starts in a different place and takes them on a different journey to people who have grown up in a materialist kind of philosophy. And so this is a complete contrast, of course, to materialism, and he says that the spiritual perspective of Indigenous people means – They don't experience the sense of meaninglessness and alienation that's associated with materialism and the pathological behaviour it gives rise to, like rampant consumerism, hedonism, status-seeking and competitiveness. The awareness of the spirit force and the sense of kinship with other living beings and the rest of the world gives Indigenous peoples a sense of being part of a greater harmony and of being at home in the world and having a sense of being supported by the world and nestled comfortably within nature and the surrounding sacred, um, sacred environment. So it's fascinating, isn't it, how different those two um, points of view are. But remember too, that it's not about eliminating a philosophy like materialism. It's just making a decision for yourself as to whether or not you want to unconsciously live within part of that paradigm, or you'd like to explore the other paradigms that are there more deeply. But remembering too that we do live in a world of polarity, and that in the world of the astral, the the mind, the world of the mind, the dimension of the astral, and the dimension of the physical, everything has its opposite. Everything is designed to have an opposite. And so for all of the lovely, luscious spirituality of connection, interdependence, the sanctity of nature and our connection to each other and to nature, which happens to be my philosophy, there has to be an opposite to that because we live in the physical world. So for me, it's not about having any resentment or hatred or resistance to another philosophy. It's merely looking at, ah, oh, if it's in my life, if it's bothering me, then where is that in me? Where is my shadow pointing at someone else and saying, look at that terrible person who's such a materialist? And where might there be some parts of my own psyche that are actually caught up in the same system but we don't really know it? To what extent are we willing to make the philosophical shift towards a more integrated life with the rest of nature and to start to see nature as our body as well as this as the body but nature's our body as well how are we going to look after that and of course we'd want it to be clean we'd want it to have clean water clean air and clean soil but if you think it's just an insentient ball of rock (laughs) you're not going to care very much about it at all